Hey, are you tired of shopping your car and home insurance every single year? Well, somebody's got to do it. But that somebody doesn't have to be you. At the Rose Group, we can get you up to 10 insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes. Visit us online today at roads-group.com. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps it $5 minimum balance required. All right, so I want to get a picture of uh, Mark Wallers at like 12 or 13 years old. Was it baseball as your best sport then, or were you like a lot of other kids that went seasonally and you'd like playing everything? Oh, I played everything. I grew up in Massachusetts, so we couldn't play baseball year-round like you can down here pretty much, but I played basketball, soccer, baseball. Never played football, but uh, uh, pretty much everything else I played. When do you realize that, I mean, for you, you became a pitcher, but everybody loves to hit and do that thing. But when did you realize you could throw extra hard and, like, people started noticing? Probably my junior year in high school. I probably That was probably, like, when I had my growing sprout or whatever like that. And, um, you know, I could really see myself separate myself a little bit from the other high school kids and, you know, um, I don't, you don't want to brag about yourself, but you can see yourself separate talent-wise from other players. And, you know, your name starts getting thrown around a lot. College coaches start coming around. You start getting letters, and professional scouts, scouts start coming. So that pretty much opened, opened my eyes then, probably like my junior year in high school. Now, do they have radar guns on you back then, or you get oohs and ahs from the, uh, like, you know, teammates and folks in the crowd when they notice the fastball pops like it does? Well, they did. There were scouts behind, you know, the backstop when I was pitching with radar guns, but they didn't. We didn't have fields like they have it down here. We we have games up at Lake Point where they put the velocity up on the uh, scoreboard. We didn't have that back then, so we didn't get the oohs and ahs, um, <laughs> but uh, like like they do today. So you said you had scouts watching. You had colleges sending letters. Did you know what your route was going to be? Did you think it was going to be college baseball? Did you have an inkling about pro ball? When did either become more realistic? Well. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of other players in, in my area where I grew up where I could, like, talk to them. And, uh, the difference between either going to college or signing a professional, there wasn't a whole lot of people that I knew of that took the professional route. So I was just trying try, – I grew up dirt poor. We grew up, with, you know, help from the government to pay the bills. So um, I was just hoping someone would help pay some college expenses for me. So that was my ultimate goal. And then I got drafted by the Braves in the eighth round. And to me, it was just a no-brainer. I mean, I've always dreamt of playing Major League Baseball. I got by by the skin of my teeth through school, so it was you know that was just it was 
to me, it was just a no-brainer decision. I'm, you know, I had the opportunity to play professional baseball, and I was going that route. So you get drafted in 1988. Um, do you know how to like to negotiate? I mean, who's involved with helping you figure out a signing bonus and what to sign for? Well, I, I think we we they offered me I think they offered me forty thousand to grand to to sign. And I think we held out for $45,000 and that was right. You know, it was my high school coach. My parents got divorced when I was nine and, you know, we just had no idea. I didn't have an agent or anything like that back then. So my high school coach helped negotiate a little bit. They threw in an extra five grand. I said, that's it. I'm gone. That's all it says. So. <laughs> so where was the first stop where you're now getting paid to throw a baseball? <laughs> the first stop was in Pulaski, Virginia, which is in Southwest Virginia down by, you know, uh, West Virginia, Tennessee, all that little corner down there. And I think there was, one stoplight in the city. It was, probably the best, it was probably the best place to start off because all you really could do was concentrate on playing baseball. So it was probably a blessing in disguise that that's where I started off. Well, you're also kind of marking that time where the Braves are just piling up prospect after prospect. So were there some names we'd recognize coming along with you at that point? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. In that draft, it was a pretty special draft that the Braves had that year. Turk Wendell was out of that draft who – I don't, I'm not sure if he pitched that much here in Atlanta, but I know he, um, he did pitch in the, in the big league. Went to the, the Cubs. Cubs. Yeah. Went to the Cubs. Matt Murray pitched a little bit here in Atlanta and also pitched it with the Red Sox a little bit. And then the big guy uh, from that draft was Steve Avery. He was the first-round draft pick. He was on our team in Pulaski. And I remember watching Steve pitch. Uh, you know, you get drafted, you think you're, you're, you're hot stuff. And then Avery came in. And you, the first game he pitched, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have no chance. He was just dominating, you know. He was, I mean, he looked like he was just in, uh, incredible, completely polished, threw three or four pitches for strikes, and I was barely hoping to get one pitch over for a strike. So I just thought, oh, my gosh, if this is – I was just extremely intimidated when Steve Avery joined us because he, he held out for a little bit. He was a first-round pick, so – um, you know, he didn't sign right away, but once he did, I, I thought, oh, my God, what an uphill battle do I have? Well, it's interesting you say that because a bunch of guys I've talked to that you played with said the same thing. You come in with this opinion like I'm playing pro ball, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm the real deal, and then you realize everybody else is as good at you, if not better. So how do you overcome that when you start to get your footing? It's tough. I mean, cause there's a, I mean for me especially, I can only speak for myself, there was just a lot of self-doubt when, you know, you go up, I'm in this small little town growing up in Massachusetts, and I'm, you know, playing better than pretty much all, all of my competition, and all of a sudden you're thrown with a bunch of guys that, like you said, you know, they're either equivalent or better than you, and, you know, maybe it was just my upbringing, and, you know, just I'm not going to quit, I'm not going to give up, and, you know, the work ethic that, you know, my mom and uh, my mom taught me, but you know, you just got to believe in yourself. You know, you just got to believe that you could do it. Know that there's, you know, a dream that I've had since second grade. And, you know, not everything in, the, not everything in life was going to be easy. And I, I think I've always know, know, knew that and know that and know that, you know, if you want something, you have to work hard to go get it. So, I mean, that's just what I did. There, there were some bumps in the road. You know, I got sent down a couple of times. Um, my second year in pro ball, I got sent back down to rookie league. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Why didn't I take that scholarship to the University of Maine? But you just keep battling. You know, it's tough. Baseball is a very humbling sport. So looking back this many years later on the minor league experience, was it fun, frustrating, a combination of both? Because I've had some guys tell me it was the best time in their life and others the worst. Well, coming up, when when you're successful coming up through the ranks and, you know, you're doing well on your team and you can see that either next year or later in the year you're going to be promoted to the next level next level without a doubt it's fine because those bus rides are awesome it's just like in the big leagues you talk to a lot of guys that are retired or not playing anymore it's those you know coast to coast 
uh, flights that the things that you miss the most are the times in the clubhouse and the camaraderie with the guys. So just like in the minor leagues, those bus trips from, you know, Greenville, South Carolina down to Orlando or, or whatever, they stink at the time, especially when you get demoted and going back the other way. But there's times in the minor leagues that those are the best, the card games and the laughs that you had in the back of the buses throughout the middle of the night traveling all over the southeast playing baseball. They were good times, but obviously not the ultimate goal where you want it to be at. You know, you want to end up in the big leagues. So for you, when you get drafted, Mark, the Braves are still in the midst of like an awful rebuild. The 80s were a mess for the most part. As you're making your way up, things are getting close to turning in that 91 season. You got that call. So take me through that process. Who was the uh, call from? And, and I mean, do you remember it like it was yesterday? I do. I do. I, re- I remember very well. We were in, I was with Richmond because at the time Richmond was our AAA club. And we were playing in Syracuse, New York, and it was the middle of August. I, I know I got called up or made my debut August 19th, but I might have been there a day or two before I pitched. But we were in Syracuse, New York, and after the game, Phil Necro at the time was our manager, and he called me in the office and said, "You're going to Atlanta." I'm like, oh, and it was just, you know, it's just, you know, you get goosebumps. It's something you dream about for your when you're a kid. And then you look at the schedule and you're like, "Awesome, I'm going to the big leagues. I'm in Syracuse, New York." And the Braves just starting a series in San Diego. <laughs> so you go from the top right of the country to the bottom left, and it was a long flight. But you still, I mean, it's, even even when you get there the next day, and after my debut, you're up all through the night watching, you know, clips on sports or whatever like that. It's just, it's just, a, it's you really can't put it into words because you can't describe how a childhood dream what it feels like to come true. You know, it's just, it's humbling. It's exciting. It's it's, you're in awe, and it's just it's just an incredible, incredible feeling. Well, it's a different day and age now where we know about every prospect, and we've seen video, and right, everything's been previewed. I remember hearing about you, though, especially earlier that year, and as the Braves are in the midst of a pennant race, everybody kept wondering, when's Wollers, the next fireball potential closer coming up? So I don't know how much you thought about, again, entering yourself right in the middle of a pennant race, all the expectation, like how do you handle that as you make your debut? You know, it's I, I didn't even realize or didn't even notice or think about being in a pennant race. You know, you're just in the big leagues and you just want to get out there and try to do your best and not go back to Richmond. And you're not thinking about, you know, the importance of that, to that particular game. You're just focused on, I just want to do well. I just want to stay here. I want to contribute. I want to fit in. And I don't want to upset the manager or the pitching coach or whatever. You're so you, until you get your feet settled a little bit in the big leagues, I think that's the mentality of most guys. It's that, yeah, this is great. We're in the middle of a pennant race, but, you know, I just want to make sure I stay here, you know. And then when, you know, later on you're like, you understand, you know, what needs to be done each particular day to, you know, prepare yourself for that particular game and stuff like that. But early on you're just like, you know, I, I just want to pitch and do well and stay here. Folks, I'm not a great sleeper. I never have been. I need everything to be just right to get the best night's sleep possible. One of the things that I need to be just right is my pillow. And guess what? It's right now. Thanks to MyPillow.com, and I tried the MyPillow Premium. It's been a game changer for me. I went with the MyPillow Premium because I wanted the right neck support. I was tired of the old pillows going flat on me. And thanks to Mike Lindell, who invented the MyPillow product, which took over two years to develop, because he wanted to make sure everything was perfect with the pillow that we all were going to need for the best night's sleep. Well, that's just one of the great products that MyPillow.com has available to you guys. And I want you to go to MyPillow.com right now. You can look for yourself and see the perfect pillow for you. But now Mike's changing the game with his six-piece towel set. This set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely exorbitant, yet still providing you the soft feel 
and the look you want in your towel. The set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths, typically retailing for $109.99. But for a limited time, you can get this set for the low price of just $39.99 with promo code MATT. Promo code M-A-T-T. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special to get this insanely low price of just $39.99. On the towel set, you'll find other deep discounts on all other MyPillow products as well. Enter promo code MATT at MyPillow.com. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Well, you mentioned you didn't want to upset the pitching coach and the manager. So talk to me about your first interaction with Leo, with Bobby, and and how that relationship began. Um, You know, it's just, they just said, you know, we're we're just going to throw you in the fire. And, you know, we're not sure, you know, at the time that, gosh, I think, was that the year Juan Berenger came over? So he yeah. was just for us, I think. Yep. So, um, you know, they just said be prepared to pitch every night. You know, and that's just what, you know, I had known them a little bit um, being in spring training with them before I got sent down that year. So, um, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of interaction um, that, that goes on when you're a young guy and stuff like that. You just do what you're told. And the best advice that I got from, you know, pretty much everyone else was, you know, you keep your eyes and your ears open and your mouth shut. And that's pretty much just what I did. Well, you pitched well, too. I mean, you pitched to a 3-2 ERA that year, 17 games. Ended up saving a couple of games. The strikeout number was good. And as we know, August became September and that great pennant race with the Dodgers. So take me through your last, let's say, four, six weeks heading into that postseason. How special is that memory? Yeah, it was a great it – was, it, was, it, it was great. Was that, I think was that the year, I think, that we clinched it at home against Houston. Correct. Smoltz pitched that. Um, the complete game the last day of the season. I just remember being on the infield and watching on the big screen at the old Fulton County Stadium. I think the Dodgers were playing in San Francisco. And, you know, gosh, it's been so long, man. But I know one of them, I know it came down to the last day. I just remember celebrating on the middle of the infield at Fulton County, watching the end of that game out there. And it was an exciting time. I mean, that place, I mean, if you were around in the early 90s, when the Braves were on fire, man, it was just, it was the place to be. It was, it was a, the atmosphere was incredible. The the city was on fire. Um, It was just a really special time to be here. Yeah. I like to tell people who weren't here, folks who were younger listening to this. I mean, it was a football crowd at a baseball game and it was like a party every night. And then the postseason, it got ramped up even more. So take me through your first postseason experience. How are the nerves? How's the heart rate? Like what's that experience when you're pitching in October? Yeah, it's it's nuts. And what you try to do is you try to 
play it down a little bit and just tell yourself that it's, you know, it's just like any other game, but it's just so hard because of the intensity, the media coverage, the crowds, um, everything else that's going on outside of the game, you know, getting family in town and getting them settled and stuff. But it's nerve wracking without a doubt. Um, whether you're, you know, whether you're a rookie or a veteran, you know, everything's on the line. It's what you always play for, but, you know, you just try to uh, feed off those nerves and turn that stuff into positive energy and have it work for you and use that adrenaline to, you know, benefit you when you're out there. You pitched well again in the postseason, both in the uh, NLCS and then in the World Series. Um, get, you know, we, we, we talked about the end of the season, celebrating on the field with the win against Houston. What was Game 7 like in Pittsburgh, winning the way you guys did, coming back down from 3-2? I think that was the game, if I'm not sure where – I think Avery started that. Yes. I think Avery was, yeah, I think he was the MVP of that series. He was just dominating. And then I remember Pena coming in and um, and closing it out. The thing I remember the most, I think that was that year. But well, that, that was game the, six and then Smoltz game seven, right? Right, right, right. I think what I remember the most that year is when we celebrated in Pittsburgh. I remember like way in the upper deck, there was this huge Braves fan contingency up there just. And it was it was weird because there's a sea of Pirates fans everywhere, and then you just saw this one big section in the upper deck, you know, behind our way behind our dugouts, just going crazy. And I remember I remember noticing that from the field, like, man, look at those people way up there, <laughs> that one section, all Braves fans, and everybody, you know, obviously Pirates fans weren't weren't so happy. But I just remember being on the middle of the field, looking up at the upper deck, and seeing those people going crazy. It was just kind of cool. So what about Minnesota, the atmosphere there? Um, I had Pendleton on the podcast, and he said, without even pulling punches, he's like, well, there's no doubt what they did with the air conditioning unit and working the um, you know, the benefit of home field advantage for a couple of balls that were hit out by Kirby. He mentioned a ball he hit should have gotten out, and it didn't. What was yeah. your experience like for the first time in that atmosphere? Yeah, it was crazy. It was, I remember The thing I remember about that series, obviously there were several plays in that series that happened that, um, that were either controversial or, or, or whatever. But I remember sitting in the bullpen and sitting, I was sitting next to Kent Merker and I was trying to tell him something. We were talking to each other and we were like screaming in each other's ears, <laughs> sitting right next to each other on the bullpen. And we were still unable to hear each other talk. It was just so deafening in that, in that dome. Um, but yeah, it was just another great series. And, you know, I remember that, you know, the game seven, that was just a classic matchup with Jack Morris and John Smoltz. That one, nothing game it was just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I know, I know. In this day and age, people like to see the long ball, but man, what an intense game seven that was with those two battling at it. How um, how long does it take? Do you ever get over what happened that night, being that close to a championship and not winning it? Yeah, I mean, I'm over it now. Obviously, I mean, it was over twenty something years ago, and you know, I didn't play earlier in my career. I didn't have such a huge role um, or a big role in the postseason. You know, I was I was never put in situations where one pitch one way or another could have, you know, determined the outcome of the game or anything like that. But, um, you know, it's always frustrating when that's your ultimate goal to win and you fall short of it, you know, and, you know, but we knew we had a good young nucleus, you know, the, the strength of that team in the nineties or throughout the nineties was our starting pitching and they were all still young. And, you know, we still a couple of years later, we was going to go out and get Greg Maddox or whatever. So we knew we had a good team. We never took it for granted that we were going to be there year after year, but, you know, there was a lot of guys that came up together that were hungry and that kept that hunger throughout the entire time I was with the Braves. So I'm going to ask you about the 95 season in a second, but 94 during the strike as a young guy, I don't remember who was on. Maybe it was Chipper or somebody else told me, 
Um, no, he hadn't come up yet. I, maybe it's Glavitter. It was one of the young guys was like managing money at that time is very difficult. You didn't have as much as, as certainly guys do today. So what was that like financially for you dealing with the strike? Well, it was tough, but they told us early on, you know, save your save your save your money a little bit because they warned us about it. So I think guys, you know, I don't want to say thrifty or whatever, but probably just didn't go out and buy stuff that they normally would do or had done. So, but it was tough, you know, because you know, so I had just purchased a house and was kind of freaking out and stuff like that. But luckily, I had a, a, a family friend that in Swanee, Georgia, had an auto body shop, so. I just went and worked at an auto body shop. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. I've never heard yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not that I knew how to do auto body work. I was probably <laughs> what you'd probably call a janitor today. You know, I you know, did parts inventories and made coffee and swept the shop and crap like that. But um so that's I mean that's it's not you know, help pay the bills. <laughs> did you get recognized? Um you know, it was weird. I, I remember when I first went there, because I knew the family from back home growing up in Massachusetts. And I think some of the people there thought, oh, this is just a publicity thing to, you know, try to attract business to the auto body shop or whatever. But, you know, after the second day or two when they saw me jumping in the dumpster trying to create more create more room, they're like, all right, maybe, he's, maybe he is here to work. <laughs> that's, uh, that's something. All right, so 95, you take over the closer role, and Mark, your numbers are unbelievable. Two, uh, two ERA, the 25 saves. Like when you're pitching that well – I mean, does it feel like a basketball player who talks about being in a zone? Do you just feel like every night I'm going to get three outs without drama? Yeah, you you really do, and um, you don't take it for granted. But you're just you're just locked in, and you just feel like, you know, I'm I'm gonna you know accomplish what I set out to do tonight, and it's it's a really really good feeling, and you know the best of the best, you know, have that feeling for you know years and years and years in a row i had it for maybe like a, a year and a half or or whatever but it's just, it's a tremendous feeling knowing that or just believing and having that thought that if i get out there tonight i'm going to be successful well, and yeah. it's tough to ma- it's tough to maintain and the, and the guys who can maintain it you know they're in cooperstown i was looking at your number your strikeout to walk ratio was through the roof it was 5 to 1 both in 95 and 96 the era as we said was tremendous but no greater moment along the way, then you get to get the ball with a one nothing lead against the Indians in that game six. So do you remember what's going through your mind as you head to the mound? How do you keep everything in check? I, you know, it's like I said earlier, you just try to play it like it's any other game. You know, you try not to get too caught up in the moment and try not to think about what's at stake and, you know, what this city's been striving for for so long and what the team had gone through in the previous postseason. If you let that stuff get in your head, then you're just – forget about it you know you, it's it's not going to happen so you just try to go out there with the same frame of mind that you know it's a one nothing game you know we got to get that first hitter out you know and and that's the way and that's the way I went about it you know I mean I mean I was thankful and grateful to get although Tommy pitched a great game had only given up one one hit through eight innings you know I was fired up because you, you dream about hitting the game winning home run or or throwing the last pitch you know in the world series and here was my opportunity and you know, I cherished it and I loved it. It's a new year, which means it's time to try something new. And I'm talking to you folks who have not yet tried the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. I hope you'll go see my friend Sean Daly. That's, get it, the Daily Draft. This is the ultimate sports bar experience. So as the football playoffs near and then baseball's around the corner, knock on wood, and all the fun springtime things that will happen in Atlanta, you're going to want to enjoy it at the Daily Draft. It's downtown Woodstock on Main Street. 
what you're going to find? A craft beer bar. Self-serve taps. Uh, big screens all around you to catch every view of the big game. And when I say a big screen, they have a movie-sized screen with a front-row seat right in front of it that you can grab if you get there at the right time to enjoy all your favorite games. A chef-inspired menu with soup, salad, sandwiches, flatbreads. Uh, you name it, they have everything to find everybody exactly what they want when you're going with the family, a boys' night, or a date night. The DailyDraft.net is where you can find all the information about some of the nights like Trivia Night, Kids Eat Free Night, and more. TheDailyDraft.net. Go find them downtown Woodstock on Main Street. Tell them Matt sent you. You'll love the Daily Draft. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. You get the uh, great play by, by Belliard in foul territory for the first out, and I don't does that settle you down a little bit? Does it, like you said, you treat it like every other, when you get that first out, does that just make it a little bit easier? It does, and, and specifically because of who the hitter was, and it was Kenny Lofton, and he was just stealing everything that year, especially, you know, he's at bases. I mean, you know, he was just – he got on – if he got on base, especially with me because I was so horrible, um, not only at throwing – at keeping runners close, but I was – my delivery was slow to the plate. So, if you had speed and you got on first base, eventually probably by the second pitch you were going to be on third base. Hmm. So, um so for Raphael to make that play, it was like he had to run a long way, and that just set the tone for that. I mean, once that you get that first out, you know, you don't let your guard down, but it's like, okay, we got you know, Kenny Lofton's not on the bases. You know, yeah. if you could keep him out, and that, and that was huge that series to keep him off the bases because he created such havoc out there. So, I mean, literally, I mean, if, if, if Kenny Lofton gets on base, I mean, who knows how that series ends up. But, I mean, fortunately, you know, Raphael made, made you know, it was a great play. And, you know, it shouldn't get overlooked. So uh, when Bayerga hits the ball now, two outs, I mean, he, he hit it pretty well. I mean, obviously, Grissom tracks it down, but, like, as the ball hits the bat, what are you thinking? I knew it was out. I mean, just be, I mean, when you're a pitcher, when a guy hits a home run, you know you don't even have to turn around. You know it's an out. I mean, you know it's a home run. But when it, when he hit it, I knew if it was in the air hitting over there, that Marquise was going to catch it because he was such a dy- you know dynamite outfielder. And, um, yeah, you know, all, now all of a sudden all these – thoughts and visions and, you know, dreams are just going through your head so quickly. And then you realize, Oh crap, here comes Javier chasing me. I got to, <laughs> I got to get ready to embrace his leap. You know? So it was just, yeah, it was just, it was incredible. It was, I just, you know, the fans jumping up and down, being on the bottom of that pile, you know, it's a feeling that I'll take to my grave with me. Yeah. I've heard a number of players say, you just can't describe it. You can do your, you know, your best to try to explain that moment, but that is, yeah, it's the yeah, top of the can't. mountain. You can't, you can't, you cannot describe that feeling. You know, you, you know, I'll watch interviews today, like somebody wins a Super Bowl, or even you know, after oh, it feels incredible and stuff like that. But that's just it's that there's no other word to describe how it feels. You just can't. You know, how long does that feeling last? Parades coming up in a few days. The off season probably feels different. Like cloud nine lasts how long? Hey, twenty five years later, I still feel good. <laughs> about that. that feeling doesn't go away. You know, it's something that. 
you know, it's something you dream about. It's a dream come true, and it's something I will always remember and, you know, and, and think about quite often. And it, it changes the expectation because you guys, team of the 90s, you get the title, and then you went into 96 as this team that was going to go on this great run. You had a great year. And, like, Mark, you get to experience the top of it and then having to, unfortunately, deal with, like, the Lairitz moment a year later. So you said you know when a home run's out. Did you know when he hit that ball that it was gone? No, I didn't. I knew – I mean, I knew it was a bad pitch. I knew I hung it, but it just it, – to me, it just didn't sound like, you know, a ball's not been crushed. That ball just happened to carry and keep carrying and didn't stop carrying. But I didn't think when he hit it, it was gone. You know, I was kind of, you know – like shock, it actually went over the fence. But, you know, it was a launching pad. And when you hang sliders, stuff gets launched. <laughs> How is that for an athlete, though? You said this many years later, the great feeling of 95. Do you play out sequences in your mind many years later, just the normal second-guessing, the human nature of it? No, because, I, I mean, I, early on you do. You think, you know, not, I mean, I was close with Maddox. And Maddox always said, you know, you know, I tried to learn as much as I can from him. He said, you know, if a guy gets a hit or hits a home run, it's either the wrong pitch or the wrong location. You know, Greg just kept stuff as smart as he was. He really just kept kept stuff pretty simple. And uh, was it the wrong pitch? I don't know. If it was in a better location, maybe he swings and misses. You know, I mean, I watched enough video and did enough research to know that, you know, I saw Jim Lairich drive balls over that right field fence in, in Yankee Stadium, you know. And, you know, looking back, I, and I haven't looked back a whole lot, um, but I, I know I did throw him too many breaking balls, and I probably gave him too much credit considering, you know, I could get it up there in the upper 90s, and I probably should have trusted myself a little bit more, and I probably should not have let myself get beat with my second-best pitch. But, I mean, it, it happened. It's You know, it wasn't intentional. You know, I didn't yeah. try to give up a home run. You know, you're out there <laughs> trying to do your best, and – you know, sometimes you just make the wrong decision, and, you know, sometimes you hang them. And yeah. when you hang them, they bang them. Um, being a professional athlete, I mean, I can't even fathom. Like, everything's in the limelight, right? The, the great moments are out there. The, the struggles are out there. Looking back this many years later, do you have a better, like, sense of rationalizing? As you said, you were on top of the world for a couple of years, and it just didn't last as long as you would have liked. Do you have a, a way to kind of put it into perspective now? Yeah, this is the way I, this is the way I think about it is because – after the 97 season going into 98, 99, I couldn't hit. If I fell out of a boat, I'd miss. I couldn't hit water <laughs> if I fell out of a boat. I really couldn't. And, you know, I was so screwed up mentally. I was going through some stuff off the field in my personal life with my marriage. And then I don't know if there was stuff lingering over from, you know, you know what happened in the 96 World Series. But for whatever reason, they called it the Steve Blast disease. I couldn't throw a strike. And, and that killed me, you know, because I knew at the time when I was going through it, I just thought my baseball career is absolutely over. And then after a while, the Braves had done everything they could and just thought maybe a change of scenery might be better. And I went to Cincinnati. And, you know, if you knew me at all, you knew I was going to try to do everything I could do to overcome it. And I, what I probably did, I threw too much, and I ended up blowing my elbow out, which absolutely crushed me, needing Tommy John surgery. But it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because it just – made me – I couldn't pick up a baseball anymore. You know, so it was almost like mentally a relief because, you know, when you're going through that anxiety, you don't sleep at night, you don't breathe well, your heart's pounding every day. And it was just like – it just allowed me just to sit back and just say, okay, <laughs> you know, take a step back. You can't pick up a baseball for at least six months. And what it allowed me to do is to lie to myself and convince myself that everything that I had been going through was physical instead of mental. Because I think if you're trying to come through something like that – 
if you're convinced in your head that it's all in your head, you're never going to overcome it. So blowing out my elbow, I thought, well, well, heck, I couldn't throw a strike because maybe something was pinching my nerve and I couldn't feel the ball. So I really, really played tricks with myself and convinced myself that that was the issue. And, you know, when I came back, I was just like, okay, and I just, you know, positive reinforcement to come back. And, you know, besides winning the World Series and being on the mound in 95, coming back from that and being able to pitch again was probably the best thing I've ever did in my career. And then on top of it, agreeing to be traded to the New York Yankees, where it might have all started, and pitching with the Yankees again, you know, and, and doing it in New York. So it was kind of full circle from what I think, from what I went through as far as, like, from the lows of 96 of, you know, hanging that slider and blowing up my elbow and not being able to throw a strike. And then, you know, turning down a trade to Colorado when I was with Cincinnati because I had a no trade clause and then hearing the Yankees calls and agreeing to go there. You know, that's what's one thing besides, you know, what I did in 95 that I'm probably most proud of in my career. That's, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Um, let me yeah. ask you two things about it. Number one, you said the Braves did everything they could. So you were – I mean, that's your organization, born and raised with the Braves. Yeah. So you were, like, okay with the way everything ended, and they just said, we, we're going to try a different scenario, send you to the Reds. You were okay with how they handled everything. Well, what they wanted to do was send me back down to Richmond. They wanted to send me back down to AAA. And at the, I'm not sure the rules now, but then if you had over five years in the big leagues, you could say no, and they could either keep you in the big leagues, trade you, or release you. And at first I agreed to it, but and this was in 99. In 98, they had sent me down – to Richmond also, and it didn't work. So I talked to my agent. He's like, why are you going to go back there? Just Maybe you just need a change of scenery. So I told the Braves, I declined that. I don't know if it was an option. I don't know what they call it. A designation for assignment. I, I declined it. So they had 10 days to trade me, release me, or keep me with the big club. And they couldn't afford to keep me with the big club, not financially, but you know, carrying an extra roster spot for someone who couldn't help on any given night. They, did, I mean, they didn't have a choice. They either had to release me. Uh, and I was still guaranteed, you know, baseball our contracts are guaranteed. So I was still guaranteed that year um, contract. So, you know, they traded me to the Reds and got, you know, the best deal that they could possibly get. And, um, and I don't blame them. I probably would have done the same thing, you know, um, you know, given in their situation, they're trying to win, they're trying to compete. And I'm, I was just basically taking up space and not helping or contributing at all. So it was probably the best for both of us. Folks, let me ask you a question. When it comes to dealing with experts, don't you know they've got your best interest in mind? Think about somebody in the medical profession as opposed to you diagnosing yourself. You would never do that. When when it comes to insurance, I would think, yeah, you can go shop your own rates, but don't you want the professionals to do it for you, the experts? Well, I'm talking about the Rhodes Group. My friend Clayton Rhodes and the great folks at the Rhodes Group, they did that for me, and you should know. You should be shopping your rates or having pros do it each and every year because the rates change so much when I'm talking about home or car insurance you could be saving a bundle if you have professionals like the Rhodes Group shopping for you they did just that and they saved me a couple of thousand dollars a year with home and car insurance combined you can be the next to save a bunch of money with the Rhodes Group I want you to go to their website it's Rhodes-Group.com it's spelled R-H-O-A-D-S dash group.com or follow me on Real Matt Land on Twitter You'll see the link. You can click over and have them give you 10 quotes in 10 minutes at the Rose Group. Locally owned, a great bunch of folks who are professionals when it comes to finding you the best rates. Go to roads-group.com. Have them shop your rates. They'll give you 10 quotes in 10 minutes at the Rhodes Group. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money 
are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Well, you got great perspective on it. I'll give you that much. And I don't know if you did then or if you look back now, and, and it feels like in this day and age, maybe it's more something an athlete would consider. Did you talk to somebody about it? You said you were trying to mask it physically, but emotionally, psychologically, did you talk to anybody about what you what you were dealing with, or is that something you keep internalized? Like professionally, like a psychiatrist? Yes. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a psychiatrist that I spoke with here in Atlanta that when I was going through some personal stuff that I tried to deal with. And then, you know, I spoke with him trying to help me professionally as well. I mean, when I went to Cincinnati, they tried everything. They flew some guy out from, from, um, I think it was from New Mexico to try to help me, um, to get through it. And he, I, and he was like a hypnotist. You know, he tried, he tried hypnotizing me. So I don't know, maybe rubbing, you know, what they did in Bull Durham, rubbing <laughs> chicken legs on a bat or something like, listen, if it was out there and I thought it could help me, Trust me, I tried it. And ultimately, I mean, people laughed at that hypnotist, but what he tried to make me do was, like, get rid of those negative thoughts out of my head. And in hindsight, after I blew my elbow out, it's basically what I needed to do. You know, I don't think I was ever hypnotized, but, I mean, I tried everything. You know, I wasn't, you know, I would, I mean, it was a dream, and I'd always had a dream to play Major League Baseball, and something was preventing me from doing it, and there wasn't anything that I wouldn't have tried. Yeah, change your thinking, essentially, is what, yeah. Late, yeah. Late, um, <laughs> so when you threw your last pitch in the bigs, I think every athlete has, you know, the, the great moment. They, they want to remember you said 95. There's always regrets. Like, did you feel totally like, all right, I'm fulfilled, I've done everything, or would you have rather kept going on if, if you found the perfect scenario? No, I think I would have rather kept playing. I ended I, My last two years, I signed a two-year deal with Cleveland. I pitched in 2002, and then preparing for the 2003 season, um, I had bone chips in my elbow, so I had to get arthroscopic surgery to get the bone chips out. And then later on, earlier that year, not even that year, like later in spring training or when I was coming back from rehab, when I was rehabbing that, I blew my elbow out again. So I would have been, I needed another second uh, Tommy John surgery. And I went through the surgery. I started going through the rehab. And I was just getting ready to begin to start throwing again. And my son was born. And I just thought, it's it's just, it's so mentally frustrating going through the physical rehab just the monotonous of the daily every single day. And I just, when my son was born, I was like, that's it. I'm just done. I just can't do it anymore. It was just so mentally frustrating and draining and stuff. And I just, I just had enough. And that was it. I mean, you've overcome a ton of stuff. And then, I mean, I'm sure our listeners, maybe they do, maybe they don't remember. I mean, there was a I mean, near a catastrophic house fire that you guys have. Your career was, was over several <laughs> years later that you had to deal with as yeah. well. I mean, like, take me back to that moment. I mean, that's just, yeah. forget baseball. That's real life scary. It was it was very scary. It was um, gosh, almost a year ago. It was 2011. It was the last day of February, first day of March. So it was probably 
exactly like nine years ago today. It was in the middle of the night. Uh, my wife had woke me up. It was about 12.30, quarter one in the morning. And she said, Mark, what is that? And I looked up, and you could see we had a uh, back porch, and you could see down the end of the porch this orange glow, and I could hear the fire and stuff like that. So it's something that she just felt like a tickle on her neck that woke her up in the middle of the night. But a fire had started at our home, and it was outside of our home, so we weren't woken up by smoke alarms or, or anything like that. And I just remember rushing towards it and, like, looking out the window over the sink and seeing fire. And she went upstairs to grab the kids. And then I remember, you know, this time of year, I remember went back to the room to get some shoes or something. And by the time I got back, the fire had gotten bigger. So it, it was just, it was just, it was a crazy, to make a long story short, we lost everything. I mean, our, mm. our, house, our house burned to the ground. And I just remember sitting at the end of the driveway and my wife and I looking at each other and saying, you know what, everything that's important is out of that house. You know, our kids, I got the car, cars out the end of the driveway, our kids are in their cars, we're out of the house. And everything in there, all the stuff that you collect throughout your career and the memorabilia and the unique pictures that nobody else has that you have framed, all that stuff that seems so important, you just realize that that time, that stuff, it was just stuff. That's all it is. You know, we all got out safely, and it was a miracle we got out safely. And uh, But it was it was crazy. It was crazy yeah. night. I mean, that, that's un- really, that's amazing. It really is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let people know what uh, post-career Mark Wallers is doing right now. Give it a little plug. Yeah, we're selling real estate. Um, I'm uh, living in Woodstock, Georgia now. I work heavily a lot in Cumming, Georgia, Duluth, Alpharetta, Milton, Woodstock, Canton. Those are my areas that I kind of focus on. But really kicked up the real estate business the last four or five years, um, working with home buyers and home sellers, and you know just trying to work my tail off from the people that work with me and trying to get trying to match some home buyers with home sellers. Give me uh, give them a little where they can reach you. Well, I got a website, markwollers.com, um, so you can find out any uh, how to contact me there. You can email me at mark at markwollers.com, and I'd love to help. The market's great right now. There's, we're extremely low in inventory, so if you're looking to sell, it's a great time to sell. And if you're looking to buy, then, I mean, there's there's houses out there, but you got to act quickly when the good ones come on the market. They move quickly. Mark, I couldn't be happier for your success. I love your perspective. It's an unbelievable story, top to bottom, and uh, thanks for sharing it with us. Great speaking with you, Matt. I appreciate it. It's a new year, which means it's time to try something new. And I'm talking to you folks who have not yet tried the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. I hope you'll go see my friend Sean Daly. That's, get it, the Daily Draft. This is the ultimate sports bar experience. So as the football playoffs near, and then baseball's around the corner, knock on wood, and all the fun springtime things that will happen in Atlanta, you're going to want to enjoy it at the Daily Draft. It's downtown Woodstock on Main Street. What you're going to find? A craft beer bar, self-serve taps, a big screens all around you to catch every view of the big game. And when I say a big screen, they have a movie-sized screen with a front-row seat right in front of it that you can grab if you get there at the right time to enjoy all your favorite games. A chef-inspired menu with soup, salad, sandwiches, flatbreads, uh, you name it, they have everything to find everybody exactly what they want when you're going with the family, a boys' night, or a date night. TheDailyDraft.net is where you can find all the information about some of the nights like Trivia Night, Kids Eat Free Night, and more. TheDailyDraft.net. Go find them downtown Woodstock on Main Street. Tell them Matt sent you. You'll love The Daily Draft. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. 
You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Guys, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Thanks to Brian Murphy for producing the podcast, and thanks to you guys for making us your weekly destination. We'll talk to you next week on Welcome to Madland. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play, and we ride on them things like every day. Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming, and parties don't stop till 8 in the morning. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play, and we ride on them things like every day. Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming, uh-huh. and parties don't stop yeah. till The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash john. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.